The views, information, and opinions expressed are those of the featured guests and not those of IG Wealth Management. I'm Manjeet Minhas, one of Canada's top entrepreneurs, and so excited for you to join us today. Through a wealth of women's stories, IG is carving out a space where women's voices are heard. If you're looking for insight and inspiration through powerful storytelling that will resonate with anyone looking for the answers to the questions that we as women ask ourselves, then this series is for you. speaking with Fate Seguir, Head of Sustainability at McKenzie Investments, an accomplished professional determined to prove others wrong. Fate grew up in an immigrant household in a small city where her career options were very limited. As a resilient and determined young woman, she did not allow those limitations to hold her back. Instead, she carved a different path for herself, leaping from challenge to challenge. Today, Fate has over 14 years experience in financial services, sits on the advisory boards for Tamiya's Cause, an organization dedicated to building awareness in human trafficking and the women's collection, an organization focused on enabling financial literacy for women. In 2021, she joined the Responsible Investment Association's Leadership Council and is also the chair of the Sustainability Steering Committee at McKenzie and the head of their Sustainability Center of Excellence. Welcome to the podcast, Fate. Thank you, Manjeet. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you today because through hard work and determination, you have definitely accomplished so many incredible things throughout your career. And so I'm certain that you have not only inspired many along your journey, and I'm sure you'll inspire many of our listeners today, but I really do want to go a bit backwards before we go forward. So why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about your story, where you're from and how your story began. Awesome. Thank you for, for that question. And, and before I get into it, I just want to say that this is um, the opportunity to even tell my story is such a humbling experience. And I, I think in no way does that mean that my, you know, I've got it figured out or my journey is over. This is, um, you know, life and our careers are a continuous learning experience. My, my journey started in um, West Africa, actually, my so I, I was born to two Lebanese, uh, very passionate Lebanese parents um, who actually had me in Lebanon. That's how passionate they were. They were uh, quite the patriots. Um, but uh, but my, my father and my mother resided in West Africa at the time. And so my early childhood memories were there. And, you know, we traveled around quite a bit and, and um, uh, tried a, a few different places to, uh, to uh, uh, settle in. I, I, I think, you know, it, it, call it, it was maybe a little bit of uh, we were nomads. Um, we, we lived in the U.S. for um, um, a number of months, and then my parents really appreciated what Canada was about and, and, and the opportunities that came with Canada and also the, the Canadian political system. So we ended up settling in Windsor, Ontario, had a lot of family in Michigan, so that, that really made uh, a lot of sense for us. And so that happened at the age of eight. And I, I really think, you know, one of the things that defines me the most is, is being a child of immigrant parents. You know, to be in, in Canada where you've got these uh, different poles, right? So at home, you're kind of, you grow up in one culture, one state of mind, then you go to school and it's like, you know, something completely different. So that constant, you know, what am I? Who am I? You know, am I Lebanese? Am I Canadian? That was always a big question for me. But anyways, that, that kind of really helped to, to define much of my path and I think where um, my drive came from. I think um, 
you know, so I was, I'm, I'm also, you know, the, the oldest, the eldest of four uh, children. And that uh, is also something that I took a lot of um, responsibility uh, from. I, my, my father always used to say, you know, you, your siblings will only be as good as you are because you're going to set the example. So that was like, oh, my gosh, no there's pressure. a lot of pressure. <laughs> there's like three other kids, right, that right. came, came behind me. So that kind of um, the aspiration to do well and to set a good example um, and, and to also really show them what happiness, you know, could could uh, be and, and um, you know, how to, how to uh, kind of land on their own self-identity. Those are all things that were very uh, important to me. Yeah, and then just again being being Lebanese, I I uh, you know was not um, um, allowed to leave our our hometown to go to university. So I went to the University of Windsor and, and graduated uh, with a business degree. And as soon as I got my degree, I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Those were the rules. I checked all the boxes that my parents uh, had put in front of me. So right. I ended up moving uh, to uh, to Toronto and and getting my career uh, started uh, there. That's a bit of uh, my my early uh, career and childhood. And so, where did you think that your path could lead you um, with a business degree? What were your hopes and dreams for yourself? Was it at that time just to get out of Windsor, or did you have some dreams at that time as to where you thought your career path and your life might take you? Yeah, I, you know what? It's 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 interesting because I I think when I envisioned what my career would be. I always envisioned doing what I do today. You know, I saw myself in, you know, boardrooms. I saw myself, you know, putting on the suit. I saw myself, you know, going in and trying to, you know, bring people along and collaborating and, and you know, really trying to always wanted to do it with a, that impact lens, right? Which I didn't always get early on in my career. And to be honest, like the space I'm in now, it's 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 a fairly uh, new space. But that's, that's kind of my aspiration. But yeah, in, initially those first couple of roles were, Okay, how do I how do I figure out exactly what I want to do? Like, how do I find you know the what's what's of value to me and 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 a, a career that aligns with with um, my own values? Which which did take it took me quite a bit of time before I really started to crystallize what that was uh, for me. And I'll say I, I remember in. I know one of the people I aspire to be, because I, I, I initially wanted to be a doctor, because in, in, uh, again, with my parents, that was, you were either a doctor or a lawyer. Um, it's nope. a very traditional immigrant family. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you say that, because I truly believe that we only can dream of what a, a career and a life for ourselves in what we see in front of us. And um, I'm born and raised in Calgary, but my parents are immigrants and, and um, from India. And so I too could only dream about what I saw in front of me growing up, which was engineers and doctors. And, right. and so um, it's interesting that I never even thought of business as a career path or a job because I didn't even know what it entails or what somebody looks like in that field. And I think one of the great things about the world that young people are growing up in today is that they see people like yourself who've taken risks, who've taken chances and really carved out a definition of a title of a career path that is unlike anything they've seen before. That's right. That's right. 
So you decided to, like you say, break out of that not only physical location, but that mental space as to who and what you could become. And you decided to challenge the status quo. And so I read an article about you in uh, The Investment Executive titled Stories of Challenge. And you share the experience of your first day at your new job, uh, right after graduating, uh, where you were told by an executive that they generally don't hire women into business roles. And uh, I actually had to read that over a couple times. So maybe you can share that story um, because I really think it was very moving uh, for our listeners today. Yeah. Yeah. We'd we'd love to. And it's, you know, what's, what's interesting about that is I, I think um, when that, when that initially happens, this was, this was again, like first day on, on the job, it was a, a VP um, I was, I, you know, it's a, a, quite a large construction company that I um, moved up to Toronto to work with, and they they generally focused on, um, you know, it's construction, so hired a lot of engineers and and obviously business students to to do, um, you know, the work and but but very few women, um, and I recall, you know, someone introducing me to him, or I think it was my boss who scheduled. Uh, scheduled like a you know fifteen minute intro meeting with him, and so I went into his office, and you know that was like I didn't even really we didn't really sit like it was just like he was like in a rush, and and um, you know he shook my hand, he's like, all right, well welcome, but you know just so you know uh, we don't you know we don't generally hire women into this company, and I'm like, oh okay, well that's like, and my first reaction was like, oh well. Um, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna prove you wrong. Like, well, we'll come back to that in in a year's time, and maybe just to draw a parallel for for that. When I actually moved from my uh, from Windsor, leaving my parents' home to move up to Toronto, my dad actually said something very similar to me. And I know it was coming from love, and he didn't want me to leave, but he said, "You'll be back in six months." And I remember thinking to my dad, like, "Oh my gosh, buddy, I am not coming back." <laughs> but but anyway, I knew I knew that was coming from love, so it was almost like I had it was like a similar, you know, in an odd way, it was very paralleled in that I just kind of thought like, it doesn't really matter what you think. I've got my own agenda. Um, And, you know, and and at the time I didn't, um, yeah, I think I was just very confused by like, why would you say that? And and maybe, you know, I I, I grew up in a household where, um, yes, an immigrant household, but very strong women right? Strong-willed women. Not all of my aunts were married, right? There was like a sense of independence and you had to, you know, focus on schooling and, and so on. So I, I think that kind of also, uh, I'm very grateful and lucky for for that upbringing because it instilled a bit of that confidence, even though like later that night, I was like replaying in my head what he said and thinking, oh my gosh, is he going to fire me? Like what's going to happen? Why would they give me the job? You know, right. but nevertheless, my initial reaction was, oh, I'm going to get you, buddy. Don't even. And it's interesting that you say that because I love that you made point of what your dad said to me because my dad used to say to me all the time, same thing from a place of love. However, sometimes it comes out interestingly is that life isn't fair. So get used to it because I would complain to him all the time about the things that people would say to me or that I was facing, whether it be sexism, ageism, you know, I was definitely young too. when I started uh, racism, oh, don't even get me started, especially with my name and Jeet, everybody wanted to change it. But he used to say that to me all the time. Life isn't fair. 
And I now think of it as an adult thinking, you know, I used to roll my eyes at him, but I always used to say, well, he's been through a lot more than me. And therefore he does understand that it's not fair and it's not fair for anybody. Therefore get used to it and stop complaining and do something about it. Cause uh, unless you're going to complain and use it as fire, you, you can't control how other people think what their actions are. You can only control what you do with it. And so I love that your dad said that and you never know, he might've been using, you know, um, that, that reverse kind of, um, you're going to be back, but you're, he knew you well enough because parents do to say, Hey, uh, no, you're not going to be. So maybe we'll, we'll chalk it up to that. (laughs) The other thing is in, in, I mean, this is now I'm like, aging myself somewhat, but this was back in 2003, right? I think it's, it, it was a very different environment. And I think, you know, within the workspace, like it was, I, I'm sure that he didn't even think twice. Like that was like, of course, I'm going to say that. I, that's what I, that's what I meant, right? There wasn't the hypersensitivity, right? And the empathy that we see today in today's work environment, right? So right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that was a, that was a good experience and a, and a good start for what I, um, I think, you know, I've had multiple experiences like that where it's just been, well, you know, either you could um, dwell on it. To, so I love the advice your dad's giving you because you can, you could choose to dwell on it and not, um, um, you know, and not push forward or you can, you know, get up and, and keep trying. You've got, like, you know, what, what do you have to lose? And, right. and often early on in your career when you don't have a lot to lose, it's much easier to kind of continue forging on. Right. I completely agree with you. Your reaction is something that you can definitely control. And so talking about that, the most, one of the keys to resilience in the face of insensitive statements such as that and biased blunders is holding individuals accountable for their actions. And I think that's something that we talk about a lot today, but maybe not necessarily back then. And, and especially in your case, um, you know, not that you didn't. And so you told them in your own mind, as you stated, that you're going to prove them wrong and that you're going to let your results speak for themselves. So looking back, um, would you have done anything differently do you think or did do you think that it it fueled you enough on a trajectory that you were you know in some cases maybe thankful for yeah yeah good question and just to clarify I actually did tell him I would prove him wrong oh you did Um, yes I did speak and you know you know and I I've reflected on whether I I would um have done things differently and or said something or you know raised the issue and and just given the time I don't think um, I don't think I, I don't think I would have, and, and this is probably, you know, um, a bit of a weakness of mine, even still today where I have this, you know, I wait, won't raise something unless I've proven it to myself that I actually can. Right. So mm-hmm. to your point, like it did drive me for the better part of my career and still, and today it still does. Like I, I'm very thoughtful about when I raise things, when I critique certain things, you know, even, even around our leadership table, um, today, because I, I want to make sure I've done the homework I've done. Um, I've done the work before, you know, coming back to challenge or to, to plead my case. Right. So I always, um, yeah, I, 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 I think with just given the time and the circumstance, I don't think I would have done things differently. Um, and I think this has been a journey. I think all women, like we've all gone through it where we're just today it's, it's, uh, I think we're much more brave to speak up. We have the platform to speak up. 
Um, but back then, I, I don't think I would have. Um, and so I, would, yeah. would your advice for others, um, especially women today, in a similar experience be to speak out and get out of their oh. comfort zone a bit? Most definitely. I think we're in a very different environment today. Mm. It's funny, I, I mentor a couple of um, brilliant young ladies that are just starting their careers. And I always ask, like, you know, how is it? Like, you know, how are you working with the guys on the team? Like, is, you know, are you, are you guys getting along? Are you getting opportunities? Are you voicing your opinions? Um, do you feel respected? Because that's like <laughs> that's oh, right. another thing, topic, right, that we could talk about Um in, in certain industries. And they all say, yeah, like, no, we feel we're, you know, we're, we're equal, we're, we're treated fairly. And I always say, but it's, it's not over. Like, we're not right. at 50%, right? right? We're not at pay equity. There's still challenges. I mean, you saw it in the pandemic, right? No. Women's careers had to take a back seat. So don't take your eye off the ball. <laughs> so I would tell young ladies today, I think with all the policies we have in place with the platform that's been created by the generations ahead, you gotta keep. You gotta stand up for for yourself. It's um, we're we're here. So let's 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 take it. Uh, let's let's keep pushing it forward. For sure, I agree with you. So you've definitely been open to new opportunities in your life, and not necessarily everybody is, because uh, it's scary um, often to take new challenges, new roles. And you've had such an impressive career, but it definitely hasn't been linear by any means. And you describe the time that you spent in your mid-career as exploring different avenues and defining your identity, which I think is really commendable because it's not easy to trans transition um, in a lot of different ways. And I will definitely say for myself. I've talked about it. Um, and I have business um, assets and businesses around the world in, you know, 16 countries plus Canada and the US. Yet I still chose and I choose subconsciously, but and consciously, I guess, to still physically stay in the city that I'm born and raised and most comfortable in. So talk to me about how you found the courage to take those risks and chances and really get out of your comfort zone in a lot of different ways and very often. Yeah, it's, you know, um, like, by the way, I just have to say, like, your comment, like, that's not a parallel. Are you kidding? Like, it's okay for you to stay in Calgary. You've got all this other but stuff. That, you know, it, it is one of those things that... <laughs> I thank you. However, it is one of those things that I have been very aware of. And so it is something that it takes courage to make and take those risks and chances with a physical move and, and a move in career even. Yeah. Yeah. For, for Yes, for sure. And I, I think my early childhood, let's call them nomad days, mm. <laughs> probably helped to always fuel that um, sense of comfort being Got in it. environments that are unknown to me. I actually find like I, I know when, um, when I first moved to um, uh, Northern Virginia, like just, you know, the first time you go grocery shopping, right, finding a doctor, finding a dentist, like, Oh my gosh, it's like it's right. all new, like your all your senses are heightened, right? And right. and um I just I find excitement in that for one, because you, you know, you generally when you move to a new place, you know, you might have one or two friends, but you don't have the strong network that you do in, in your home, um, right? Your home city or home country. Um, and so it 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 really helps to build the resilience, the independence, like being comfortable 
you know, eating alone, right? Mm. <laughs> Either at a table or initially you start at the bar, right? Because at least you could talk to the yeah. bartender and, and then you kind of move slowly because you don't want to talk to anybody. I'm you want to read your book. I'm, I'm still at the bar. I haven't made it to the <laughs> table yet on my own. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. It's like you've got all this space for yourself. You could right. order as many dishes as you want. There's nobody looking <laughs> to count the calories, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's it's really, it's, it's very, um, there's just in, in terms of what I was looking for, both career-wise, but also personal I loved financial services. I found it gave me all the analytical um, background that uh, you know that that I, I loved, um, and um, so I, I thrived there. Although there, the the male dominance in in that space was was very apparent and very challenging. And I also had to kind of find. That's probably where I started finding my voice. I probably walked out of half a dozen meetings where I just felt like there was another man sitting across the room, like literally yelling at me because, you know, their insurance premiums have gone up and I'm like, I didn't sell you this policy. Right, <laughs> so right. that's probably where I started to, to stand up for myself and find my voice. But that came from, you know, I think um, probably in parallel with the finding my identity, if that made sense, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you do that, like you say, through different professions, careers, physical locations, and you, and you've done that within the financial services industry, but that is such a broad term, right? There's so many different pieces, um, within financial services that you've obviously explored and had varying levels of success, especially in the area of inclusion and belonging. So maybe can, can we kind of shift gears now and talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion and what it means to you and why it is so important? Yeah, um, it is, it's so important. And it's, to me, um, it means being representative of the populations we serve. Um, it means um, fair and equitable treatment um, when it comes to compensation, opportunities, uh, access, um, it means um, ensuring that uh, having an appreciation for different perspectives and biases, because we all come with biases, right, right. Uh, that are built off of our experiences. And I think best uh, best thinking is is diverse thinking, because then you've uh, you've looked at you know you've you've looked at different perspectives, different biases. You know you've really assessed your risks and looked at your opportunities, so you can move forward with a with a stronger uh, vision and strategy. Yeah, I, you know what, funny enough, I start most of my meetings, even with the same people, because often, you know, within your own organization, by stating more and more, I find, let's stop believing that our differences make us superior or inferior to one another, because it is something that we need to embrace, uh, because otherwise we can't move forward, we can't have new ideas at the table, um, but we can't bring different perspectives and backgrounds, because everybody has them to give a voice to uh, how an organization uh, can move forward and, and continue to thrive, especially in these tough times. So, you know, the word diversity, what exactly does it mean to you? In your world, what, di what is the definition of diversity and, and inclusion? Um, it, it does mean differing perspectives. Uh, it means a diversity of uh, thinking and you know, often like it's 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 very important when I say representative of our population, ethnic diversity and gender diversity. Um, those are all very very uh, important, right? But um, but you could also go down the same rabbit hole where you're you know if if 
all your employees went to Queens, for example, because I, I say that because that's a very popular university in, in Toronto, then you're probably going to have, you know, very similar thinking, right? Um, so I, I recall in my in my first role, again, because when I went to University of Windsor, I'm sure it's a lovely school uh, now, but it wasn't rated one of the top schools, right? Um, and so I remember when I got my first job, um, even the HR, he said, well, we, we never, um, we, we don't usually hire people from Windsor, but you really impressed us in the interview oh, process. So we're going to okay. take a chance on you. And the following year, they actually, they hired, they started hiring um, more University of Windsor grads. So I was really proud of that. But um, but I, you know, if, if you do have, you know, um, if all the people around your table came from the same school, came from the same neighborhood, from the same upbringing, then you're not, that's not diversity, right? Um, and so it's important that you're, you're, you know, building a, a strong teams and, and groups that, that do represent um, the different aspects of your pop, the population you're serving, but also that um, you're giving people an opportunity to speak up and, and you're giving people the space to speak up and share their opinions uh, and, and perspectives. I love that because people ask me a lot, do you wish that you did a business degree? And I always say no. And I say no because I always say to them after that, that, you know, if I did and I didn't do engineering, I would think like everybody else that I feel came out of those business schools, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. So I I, I love that definition because it is so wide and range because Normally when we talk about diversity, it is very specific to usually, oh, gender, to race, things that are apparent and that are physical, but aren't necessarily, you know, uh, all the things inside that make us individuals. That's right. So I think like, you know, there's there's a, a number of different ways that you could think about how to achieve diversity. Again, like all with the with the goal that if, if uh, um, yeah, you can, you know, it'll only make you stronger, right? This is not, diversity is not, it will, would never set you, uh, set you back. So how do you make your team and your peers feel a sense of inclusion and belonging and equity on a daily or on a regular basis? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, um, I, I will say, because I, I have a lot of ideas, there's often, there's a lot of things that I want to share too, but it's really giving people the space, right? And knowing, um, um, you know, knowing when, when to speak up, um, but when to give, more importantly, when to give uh, other people an opportunity to speak. And I, you know, I, one of the things I'm, I'm really proud of in, in terms of my approach to, you know, projects or roles or, or strategies is I, I do really try to focus on collaboration. I think giving people the space and, and listening is, is, uh, is probably a, the biggest, uh, a biggest priority for me and something that I can, I don't think I do it right every day, but I, I, um, I try to be intentional about. Yeah. It, that that's really, um, hard to do, I think for a lot of people because you have to have an approach, which sounds like you do and to understanding others' perspectives because so many of us are kind of, um, built in this way that we believe what we believe. And it's really hard sometimes, um, to get different perspectives in. So how do you not get your biases in the way of actually actively listening to somebody else's 
thoughts or ideas. And, and because I feel like in a lot of different spaces, um, when others are talking, uh, that there's many people in the room that they're, they're just, their minds are closed to it already. They've already said no before anything came out of their mouth. And so, because they already have their ideas of what they feel is the best choice, the best direction and the best solution. So how do you keep your mind open to different perspectives? It's hard sometimes, isn't it? Have you, have you figured it out? No. <laughs> I'm asking you. I want you to answer that one. <laughs> you, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's being intentional. Like that's, you know, you have to, again, you have to remind yourself, um, I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And I, I see it. It's actually like selfishly, it's a great way to de-risk, right? right? Um, de-risk an idea, de-risk an approach because, you know, you've allowed people to, um, you know, poke holes at it or, or you've allowed others to contribute in building it. So naturally that brings more people along, right? So it's kind of because it's like, it's always top of mind being intentional about listening and bringing people along. It, it, um, it becomes that much more uh, important. And not to say, again, I, I, I will preface a lot of things by saying like, I, you know, I haven't gotten it uh, completely right yet, but it's, it's, yeah. uh, you know, you continue to try and it's a journey. Yeah, it definitely is in a journey. I think that that is one thing that is great that when we acknowledge it's a journey and that we don't have all the right answers or we're, and, and there is no perfect way to do it. It is progress, not perfection for sure. You know, I, I read a quote the other day that really sat with me and it said that diversity is having a seat at the table. Inclusion is having a voice and belonging is having that voice be heard. And it's very true because there are steps and there is a process to all three of those things that just having somebody at the table um, that maybe thinks differently, comes from a different background and looks different, doesn't mean that you've completed the circle. And, and, and it's an interesting conversation to have because once you're having that conversation, there's lots of different ways of identifying um, how not only you start and take the first step, but how you continue that journey. And That's funny enough, I was talking to my 15-year-old niece last night who was writing a report, and a part of the report, her, her report was to ask people around her what it meant, diversity and inclusion. And of course, we're chatting and other things are coming coming in. And, um, and at the end she goes, so I need you to just give me two sentences. I say to her, okay, let me put it in an example that a 15 year old will understand. And she's like, okay, great. And she goes, and I say to her, diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. And she's like, oh, that makes sense. She's like, why couldn't my mom tell me that? And I said, well, you're, you're, I'm sure your mom told you a lot of other great things. And so did (laughs) and dad and everybody else. However, sometimes it's about putting it in perspective and in words and examples that the other people can understand. Um, and and based on their own experience. I love that though. And as a 15 year old. feeling that one. (laughs) <laughs> true because as a 15 year old like that's what she could understand to her um she it, it, it a lot of the concepts that she was being talked were being talked about which I love that they're being talked about were going right yeah. over her head and I yeah. think that in around a lot of tables um in a lot of organizations in some cases it it is high level talk and sometimes it's too high level in that you don't know how to make it actionable that's right and and Manji, one I think one point to clarify as well, like I because I think the 
the diversity, you know, going back to the Queen's example that we had talked about, yep. like the diversity of thought is so important. But I think, um, like, an, un, I, I, I still think there's so much value, absolute value in, you know, diversity and, you know, ethnic background, racial diversity, gender diversity. Like, we're not, we're not in the position uh, to, to, like, get past that yet, right? And COVID's such a great example of, of that, um, where it's, it's still very important to, um, you know, consider some of, I think, you know, the, the ethnic and the gender uh, diversity are, are uh, almost great proxies for the, for the differing uh, diversity of thought and, and other things. But I just wanted to make sure that that's not, the diversity of thought is not the only priority, like it's, it's, the, the proxy is, is, uh, is uh, the, the other uh, uh, more traditional diversity metrics. thought you mentioned the pandemic. The pandemic definitely affected all of us in different ways, but it definitely impacted um, really devastatingly on women and working women. So women in Canada's labor force plunged to its lowest levels in 30 years. And now the fallout really threatens the pipeline of women leaders. And so when we look at the TSX, a mere 19% of board seats are filled by women. There are 179 companies with no women no, zero women on their board, which is astonishing to me in this day and age. Um, and then on top of that, in the Canadian corporate sector, only four and a half percent of board seats are filled by racialized women. Four and a half. Uh, it is absolutely unbelievable that it is such a small number uh, and it's not growing. And so what do you think needs to change? What needs to happen in order for us to move that needle to acceptable numbers? Because it's definitely not acceptable today. Yeah, no, it's not. You know, I, I, I do think we need, um, we need, you know, more women to come through the funnel. When I think about financial services, um, you know, often where we have that uh, where we start to see a, a, a gap um, between the, the genders is when you start to get into some of the more, you know, more senior level roles, right? And those tend to be, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like <laughs> you don't have every weekend off, right? There's a lot of working nights. And so, you know, we have to, you know, um, as an organization and, and companies need to get to a better work-life balance so we can respect people's, uh, you know, life choices. If having a family is, is one of them, then, then we need to ensure we can respect them. But I think we still have to do a, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of work there because, and, and, and so I'm hopeful that that will help more women kind of come through, come through the, the funnel. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I've always been proud of that I've been able to do is asking for what I, I want in the work, uh, place. And so, you know, I've, I've, I've often in, in, with some of the women that I, um, have, have, um, mentored in the past, I'll say like, what, what do you want to be? Like, what does five years from now look like for you? Um, and it's often hard for them to really crystallize what that is, right? So taking a step back, really having that vision, like what, what, what is the vision for your life? What's the vision for your career? What role do you want it to play? Um, and asking for it, right? Um, I, I think we lose a lot of women because they just don't raise their hand, right? right? And so we make assumptions that, oh, she's not interested, right? So we move on with, with other um, candidates. Um, 
So those are, you know, those are uh, uh, a couple of things. And I, I think, you know, as as investors, again, I'm going to talk about from from our seat today. You know, it's important that investors start to put the pressure on companies to to help build their funnel, to create the space for women to move up in their organization, right? So today. We have um, one fund, an ETF on, on our shelf, our, our Women's Leadership Fund. And it has um, one of the constraints is we will only invest in companies that have at least three women on the board, on their board, which is great. Um, it's funny, I was, I was, so I did a, a Globe and Mail uh, interview a few weeks ago talking about that fund. And I said, in five years, I hope it's not just one fund that is asking for three plus women on board. I would like each of our funds Hmm. Right. And ETFs to have that as a constraint, because we have to see that this is just the right thing to do. Right. I mean, you know, and, and we spend a lot of time trying to find like, oh, where's their value for investors and shareholders? And you have to calculate performance and returns and all that good stuff, which is important work to do. But gosh, why? Why do we have to do it? Like, I don't have to do that if I need to hire <laughs> to get you to hire three men, right? And that and that's that it's, that's that debate, right? A meritocracy, or is it like sometimes you need to set those goals and and what gets measured gets done in order to right. move forward? Um, and and there is that that really tough question. Um, and I love the fact that you say that yeah, it's often because women aren't raising their hand. They don't think in a lot of cases they have the time, they have the capabilities, they have the ability to even grow into that role or know what it takes. And I think that 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 risk taking, but also in a lot of cases that sponsorship and allyship is missing. That sometimes, you know, I think uh, we don't do that enough for each other as men and women that we actually say, hey, you would be great for that. Um, Sometimes we all need that push, no matter how independent we might seem to the outside world, we all need a little bit of lifting and, and push to say, yeah, I could try that. Or maybe that's something I could consider. And so how do we do that? How do we get to that space where more um, people are sponsoring and allying um, women to say, yes, take that role, take that chance, move up? Because you can, you have the capability to do so. Yeah. And that's that's a great question. I do think we need to find more allyship. We need to each, if you could, you know, sponsor or mentor one or two young ladies, you know, like give them the time, like, you know, maybe we we all we advocate for all of us to kind of you know help to build uh, each other up. Both you know, men and women. I think uh, we owe it to future generations to to all uh, participate in that. Um, but but I I do really like that, and I, and you know I hope everyone takes it on on themselves to to provide that type of um, mentorship. It's um, it's it's funny because I'm on the not not funny like haha, but just funny interesting on on my end. I bet people people know if they're going to talk to me, I'm going to be like, what's your plan? What do you want to do? Tell me. Who do I introduce you to? <laughs> and often I get like, you know, sometimes I'm sure it's turned. There's a couple of people that are like, all right, forget you. I'm not going <laughs> to ask you another question. Because I'm like, it's important that you're like, mm-hmm. that's it's your life. You have one life to live. And hey, right. career might not be your thing. Like maybe, you know, there might be something which is completely cool. Just... Right. You know, figure out what makes you happy, what's aligned with you and, and just just do it right for, for yourself. 
Yeah. Giving and receiving mentorship, very important because we all have something to give, even when we don't think we do. Even if we don't hold that, you know, massive title, it's not only about titles. We all definitely have something to give and have had experiences that can really peel back the onion sometimes for other people looking to explore their options, but also sometimes just network, sometimes just, uh, talk to them. Often we all need just a person to listen to us, like actively listen. And I think mentorship um, can do that in so many different ways for us. Or somebody just ask us, like you say, an open-ended question to say, what's your plan? Because in a lot of cases, we're on this hamster wheel in life that we don't actually sit back and say, what is the plan? Like, what am I working towards? What are my goals? Um, And how do I achieve them? What What connects the dots in order to get there. Uh, and, and we often need somebody to just ask us that. Uh, and because it does take, you know, time to just sit back and let go of the distractions to actually answer that question for ourselves. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful because I've, um, interestingly enough, I haven't had many female mentors until probably Mm. more recently in, in my career, but early on in my career, I had some strong mentors that really let me, my gosh, I took some really big falls. I mean, I never lost any money for the organizations I worked for, but, you know, there was like, you know, project delays or, you know, uh, you know, um, things not going exactly my right, the, the, the way I had planned. And, and I, I've had a couple of leaders early on just say, do you need me to do anything? Do you want me to say anything? I'd be like, no, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Um, but that's, that's, um, it, it is, it's so critical and it's something that I, I know I've, I've been very blessed with in, in my career. Agreed. And I think anybody um, that's being honest will, will say that it's not them on their own. It is definitely people along the way that have helped them create the life that they've created. So we all know that organizations are more, that are more diverse are more successful and are more, out, more likely to outperform their peers, actually 25% more uh, likely um, to deliver above average prof- profitability, fresh insights, ideas, and solutions. And the list goes on. But there definitely are challenges. And so where do you think an organization is most challenged today in improving their diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, one, one part is having, uh, people just apply and come to the table and, and be interested. Um, I think that's a, that's a big challenge. Um, having enough candidates, uh, you know, uh, you know, women and other visible minorities actually apply. And then I, I do think, you know, I'm just going to call it out, (laughs) but I, I think we're still, there's still biases that exist today, right? And I, yeah. I think, you know, as we kind of move, you know, move on to the next generation, I think this will become the norm and we won't need to talk about it and measure it as much. But today, I think it's still, there is, there may be still biases that exist, um, um, yeah, within, within organizations that they, they still need to overcome. And, and hopefully, you know, training and, and tracking and target setting helps to overcome that and experience as well, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I want to flip the tables now from not only the employer's point of view, but how about the employee? Maybe you can talk to me about, because you've had some great experiences, as we talked about, around the world and in different organizations. So how has the diversity in your values aligned with the organizations that you've worked for? 
Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to dissect it. So I, you know, I, I I do think it took me some time to get to um, organization that is um, much more aligned with with my values, like across the board. I think, you know. Early on in in your career, you're kind of at least for me, right? Part of my journey was, you know, trying a few different things, trying to really figure out what resonates with me, what made me happy, what type of work I didn't enjoy so much. It's a, even the, you know, the the um, leadership teams, the CEOs that I gravitated to, and the ones where I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really, I don't really like what you say. I don't really believe mm -hmm. in in your vision, right? Mm -hmm. And and so you know, but I I'd have to say like every employer I've had, um, like you know, um, in in you know one career over over the next, like I've um, found um, they've all been much more aligned with my values. And I think you know today I I find myself in a in a place where um, you know we're like it's always like it's like really nice harmony, right? And I think I mean the the role that I have today and being able to drive. Uh, diversity agenda. That's like that's really important. I really feel like I say to my team every day, like, like, gosh, we've got an opportunity to make such a big impact. Like, you know, um, and and so you know, those the combination of of the role that I'm doing today, um, the leaders that we have at at you know McKenzie and IG and IGM um, are, are are probably the perfect combination for for me in in um, in really you know achieving that and aligning that. I couldn't agree more. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about? No, this was so wonderful. Thank you for for the time. I just, you know, I, I'm I again. I'm. Um, I think it's important. I'll just maybe close with by saying it's important that we all um, respect our journey and mm -hmm. the, you know, and and our the 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 process that we have to go through. Um, every day is a journey sometimes, my goodness. Um, but it's, it's important to, to have an appreciation for your own, uh, own personal, uh, journey, um, crystallize your vision, uh, you know, and just, just keep at it. This is this thing called life. Again, Menji, like your dad said, <laughs> yep. it is not easy. It's not fair. And, uh, it doesn't always seem fair. Sorry. Even though, you know, we're speaking from a, a place of, uh, extreme, uh, gratitude, but it, it doesn't always seem fair. And so you just have to keep at it, um, and hope for the best. Yeah, true. Funny enough that you said that because, um, the other day I was having one of those days, like you say, some days are a journey and, um, uh, I was having a day and, um, I, I posted on Instagram. I'm usually a very optimist person as I am in life, but it was a tough day. And I posted that some days I'm a warrior, some days I'm a complete mess. Um, uh, and some day and most, but most days it's a bit of both. Right. And, but every day you show up and every day you fight and you stand for yourself and you keep trying. And I think right. that is something that I, I, I hope everybody definitely gets not only out of your story, but about others around them who are, are still on that journey to find um, who they are and how they can change the world around them. Because you are definitely doing that. That's right. Thank you, Menji. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you through your career. You've continually challenged your fears. You've accepted challenges and you have learned to be resilient. Thank you for sharing your story and your perspectives with us today. And thanks to everyone listening for tuning in. I encourage you to find the wealth in your own stories and remember 
Instead of proving your haters wrong, prove your supporters right. We look forward to having you back on our next episode presented by IG Wealth Management. You can learn more by visiting ig.ca slash women. And you can also find that link in the description of this episode. Thanks and talk to you next time. This has been a wealth of women's stories hosted by Manjeet Minhas and presented by IG Wealth Management. The views, information, and opinions expressed are those of the featured guests and not those of IG Wealth Management.